Okay, well, we are talking about disciples on a mission, and today I want to talk about dismantling barriers to healing. We've been talking about this since September, Disciples on a Mission, and this series is inspired by Jesus' command in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 5. It was the first time that Jesus sent his disciples out on mission, giving them power and authority in his name to heal the sick and to cast out demons, preaching the good news of the kingdom everywhere. So that has inspired this series. We haven't stuck exactly to the passage. We've gone to lots of different places. And what we've seen is that this temporary assignment that Jesus gave to his disciples has now become our permanent one. And this has been confirmed in the Great Commission. And then the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, who Jesus would say would give us power to be witnesses throughout all the world for all time. So the mission hasn't changed. And we're still doing the same things today. I'm just going to tell you a whole load of stories now, because I know how much people love stories. But just a few months ago, Alison and I prayed with a lady who was paralyzed by fear. And as soon as we started to pray for her, she said, I'm feeling sick. I think I'm going to be sick. And I said, no, you won't. (laughs) But something's got to leave. (laughs) But we're not going to have any sickness. And then peace came and filled her. That's a good story. And then in France last month, um, I was preaching on spiritual gifts. And I felt for some reason that I couldn't understand at the time to keep emphasizing how God speaks to us through dreams. And I got stuck on it. I couldn't move on. And I just kept talking about, yes, God does this, he does that, and he does that. And I kept coming back to dreams. At the end, I found out why. There was a lady there who'd been bound by a lie for 20 years. She had been told early on in her Christian life that dreams were of the devil and that demons were speaking to her through dreams. And she said, you've just set me free. Jesus has been talking to me for years, and I didn't even know. And the freedom just came on her in a remarkable way. What was so interesting about that moment is she was speaking French and telling me all this, and for some reason I understood what she was saying, and I was replying in English. So that was just amazing to see her set free. Dreams are not demonic, but prophetic. Uh, And the really amazing thing, oh, I'm excited. The really amazing thing is George T., who leads the church out there, had had a dream the night before that he'd just been discussing with me about its meaning. And I said, you know, not only do you get dreams, even the leader of your church gets dreams. He's been hearing from God that way too. Wonderful. Just declaring truth. And this lady walks free. Last week uh, or so, a a few weeks ago maybe, a, a, a visitor to Jubilee Uh, asked a few of us to pray for her. She'd just become a Christian, but she said, I still feel like I'm filled with dark things. And so we prayed for her, and she says that afterwards she saw flashes of lightning and fire coming as the Holy Spirit came into her life and turned the light on. That's how she described it. The darkness went and the light came on, because light overcomes darkness, did you know? Feel free to be excited at any moment. (laughs) Uh, last week, I was in the office. Somebody dropped in to see me for no particular reason, just to say hi and have a cup of coffee. They've discovered we make quite good coffee in the office. And then just as he was about to leave, he said, um, 
could you just pray for me? Nothing specific. It would just be great to have your blessing as I go on with my day. And I prayed, and unexpectedly, the Holy Spirit led me to set him free from something. It was a surprise, as much a surprise to me as it was to him. And he said, somewhat surprised, for, for several months, whenever you've come near me to pray for me, even blessing or anything, I felt this weight on me and I haven't been able to breathe properly. It's just gone. The heaviness has just lifted on me. And I spoke to him again recently, said, since that moment, I felt very different. There's been a lightness about my spirit. Praise God. Yeah, so recently I prayed for somebody with a trauma-related issue. Did you know that trauma is often spiritual? And I rebuked the trauma and they walked free from the trauma. It stopped coming on them. Amen? Somebody else uh, had prayer for a shoulder problem and said, it's not completely healed, but I've seen a, a, a considerable improvement. So we said, well, we're going to pray about that a bit more. It popped as we prayed, and, and it has shown significant improvement, and the pain is reduced, but it is not completely healed yet. Guys, this is just in the last couple of weeks. Just in the last couple of weeks. Honestly, when I sat down to make a list, I couldn't remember all the things that had happened from all the places that I'd been just in the last couple of weeks because this kind of thing goes on all the time. It goes on all the time. And I firmly believe that these are the things that all spirit-filled believers can do because it is part of who we are and it's part of what we carry. Do you know who you are and do you know what you carry? Because if you partner with the Holy Spirit, what the Bible says is that you will do the things that Jesus did and greater things. We're still trying to get our heads around the greater things. But there's something of the multiplication of the Spirit through the church. The greater things. Heal the sick and cast out demons. Now, whenever you talk about that, people always get a little bit funny, a little bit kind of, ooh, don't like that. It's just another aspect of healing. Just another aspect of bringing healing to people. For years, you know, I was praying for people for physical healing. And I said, yes, I see physical healing, but I don't do that other stuff. I don't like it very much. A friend came to see me because I've been having a measure of success in physical healing. He said, I want to I just talk to you about what you do and how you do it. And I told him, I rebuke this, I cast out that and do this kind of thing, physical healing. He said, that's not physical healing that's deliverance you're bringing deliverance this is just part of healing setting people free is part of the healing that jesus has promised is for us it makes no difference if we're healing the heart if we're healing the emotions the mind the spirit or the body it's all healing It's all healing, and that's what we're called to do. That's the mission that we're on. So this week and next, uh, for the last two talks of this series, I know, I know, I'm sad about it too. I want to talk about healing starting today with looking at some of the barriers that we have to pull down to bring healing wherever we go. And that's what I'm asking God for today, that barriers will come crashing down as strongholds are broken. I even had a prophetic sense of the clanging sound of barriers falling as we talk about this subject. Because I really believe that there's a calling upon us as Jubilee Church to bring healing and restoration wherever we go. I said, I really believe that. See, I'm going to turn the heat down. 
Lord Jesus, if we just invite you to come by the Holy Spirit, will you just blow on us? Lord, we want to see strongholds broken. Lord Jesus, will you come and just breathe on us, bring freedom here. Lord, would you bring healing even to us now? As we talk about healing, will you heal us from disappointment? Heal us, Lord, even from disillusionment. Heal us, Father, from confusion over this subject. I pray for a clarity to come to us. Holy Spirit, will you blow on us now? Will you fill the sail and blow us in the direction that you're going? Jesus, like you said, we want to see what the Father is doing, and that's what we want to do. Lord, as we get caught up in your mission, Father, will you blow on us? into your purposes and bring healing wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to look at uh, five, maybe six, if we can get that far, barriers to healing. And the first barrier is a foundational one, so I'm going to spend a bit more time on it. So if you think, oh my goodness, and he's still got four more to go, don't worry, the first one is quite a bit longer. And I've, I've struggled to come up with the title, really, but the best one I could come up with is Physical Obsession, and it's meant to be provocative. It is a little bit provocative. It's, a, it's about the Thomas Syndrome. That's, that's what I, I want to try and describe. So there's this thing about us as human beings where we say, unless I can see it with my eyes and touch it with my hands, I won't believe it and I won't recognize it. There's a kind of prove it to me. And, it, and this is the very foundation of doubt that hinders the miraculous and our very materialism and the way that we view the world obstructs our faith so that we completely miss the miracles that are taking place all around us. We're obsessed with the physical realm. We think unless I experience my physical healing, <laughs> there's no such thing as healing. It doesn't happen. And not only do we fail to recognize healing when it happens, we even ignore sickness that is beyond the physical realm. So speak to anybody who's suffered with mental health issues. They face the same problem in society today. The the cynical attitude says, how can you be ill? You look fine to me. Just pull yourself together. Don't even recognize it because it's not in the physical realm and I don't understand it. So how much more emotional, how much more spiritual these things that we can't grasp because we can't touch them, taste them, handle them. It's called the Thomas syndrome. And you see, mankind is broken. Do you know that? It's been broken since the fall. Mankind needs to be healed from a whole lot more than just physical sickness. If they're to be restored to God's original design, they're going to need a lot more healing than that. Jesus came to do a lot more than just heal our bodies. He didn't just come to heal our bodies. He did come to heal our bodies. But he came to do a lot more than that. He came to bring healing to the whole person. The whole person. And this word that is often used for heal is the word sozo. And that means saved healed and delivered. That's got a much wider application than most of us think when it comes to healing. It means salvation. That's a form of healing, to be saved, to be healed in our relationship with God, to be restored to relationship with God. That's part of healing. Healing our bodies, healing our minds, healing our emotions, that's part of healing. Delivered, that means strongholds or bad habits 
uh, addictions broken. That's healing. Lies being exposed, truth coming in, demons cast out. That's healing. These three things, saved, healed, and delivered. So from the moment of salvation, we begin to experience the supernatural healing that Jesus has won for us on the cross. From the moment of salvation, and then it goes throughout our whole lifetimes as the Holy Spirit works through our lives and he renews our minds. He sanctifies our beings. He restores peace to us and he sets us free. It's the package of healing. (laughs) He's already healing us. How many people have been healed today? Only two people. (laughs) How many of us have been healed? We've experienced such a great salvation and restored to relationship with God. First and foremost, my salvation is guaranteed. When I die, I know I'm going to be with him for the rest of my life. That's healing. That's healing. There's a stronghold in our thinking that I want to break today. Are you feeling the resistance? You're thinking, well, hold on, what about this? What about that? No, stay there, stay with me. That's healing. And the thing is, is that he doesn't usually do it all at once. Doesn't usually do the whole thing at once. And I don't think many of us could cope with it either. We get saved, we get healed in our emotions, we get healed from our past, we get healed in our bodies. You know, I've been a Christian now for more than 40 years, and I know it doesn't look like I could be that old, but I do know that God is still healing me even now, healing me on the inside, and he's also brought healing to my body on many occasions, but I don't want to limit him to that. I don't want to limit him just to physical obsession. So has God healed you to date? Has he healed you? You know, what has he restored? What can you do now that you couldn't do a few years ago? (laughs) Because you see, I think there's something very powerful about seeing the healing that God has already done instead of obsessing with the work that hasn't yet been done because there's still more to be done and that's okay. Recognize what he's already done. Thank him for that. Now, so for example, feel free to put your hand up to this, but how many of you are less fearful today than you were a year ago? That's a healing. Less fearful now than you were a year ago. More able to trust. More at peace. Keep putting your hands up if you want to. This is a sign of faith, okay? More at peace, more self-controlled, less greedy, okay, more able to pray even than a year ago, more able to contribute to the world because of what Jesus has done. That's healing. How many people have experienced healing then? How many people have already experienced supernatural healing and are still experiencing it? And you see, in my experience, it's when we both if it's when we learn both individually as, and, and as a community to celebrate the small victories that the bigger breakthroughs come. It's when we learn to celebrate them. Listen, a partial healing is still a healing. <laughs> it is. It's still a healing. You know, in that partial healing, some ground has already been taken. Do you realize that? Some ground has already been taken. 
What we need to learn to do is to stand on what God has done. We just stand on. I'm not talking about name it and claim it, blab it, grab it, believe it, receive it. It's not even happened yet, but I'm trying to get hold of it. I'm talking about what God has already done. We need to learn to stand on what God has already done and use that as a platform to go after more. Build your faith one platform at a time. And even, you know, a partial healing... Even a partial healing leaves you in a better place than you were before. Yeah? So you've made some progress. You know, I like that as a definition for healing, leaving people in a better place than they were before. I like that. Because, you know, when you pray for somebody for healing and you're led by the Holy Spirit, you don't know what he's going to lead you to pray about. But they need to feel in a better place after you've prayed for them than they were before, however that is. Did you know that most sickness, 80% of sickness is the statistic, has a psychosomatic cause or root? That's a scientific fact. I can't tell you where I got it from, but I read it somewhere. A huge amount of illness is to do with psychological things. And you say, well, it's just psychology. I feel better, that's psychology. That's part of the healing. Because assurance has come, peace has come, encouragement has come, acceptance has come, I feel loved has come. We need to leave people in a better place after we've prayed for them, after they've connected with us, and that's healing. So don't hesitate to give God glory. Don't hesitate to testify to God's goodness. You know, a partial healing is not a cop-out, but an act of spiritual warfare on the way to fuller healing. And it might not even be for you. It may be for the community of believers that you are a part of. Now, as as we often say, your testimony can become someone else's prophecy. Is that okay with you? Is that okay if somebody else steps into a fullness of expression of healing that you haven't yet because you've testified? Is that okay with you? Or are you going to say, hold on a minute, I haven't got my full thing, why should they have it? Your testimony, don't hold back on it because it can become somebody else's prophecy. And they may get the full thing in the community that you haven't got as an individual yet. And that's okay because it's spiritual warfare. And your success is my success, is our success and progress. It's our preoccupation with the physical realm that can so easily limit the healing that God is already releasing amongst us. And fool us into thinking that nothing has happened. Well, nothing much happened. You know, often you say that after you pray with somebody and they say, I don't think anything's happened. I feel a bit more peaceful, but that's nothing. What? Hold on a minute. Something just happened then. You feel more peaceful. I tell you, when I got filled with the Spirit, I shared this with you a few weeks ago. I felt peace deep inside me like I've never known before. That was a healing. God dealt with anxiety in my life once and for all, and I've never gone back to it. That's a miracle. 
that's a miracle. Until I was about 14 years old, I couldn't sleep properly. I was, I was disturbed all the time. I was anxious all the time. I don't know why. I don't understand why. Now that's a miracle. That's a healing. Amen? These things, they come, unless it happens in the, in the physical, we think there's nothing happening, and then we wonder why we're not seeing more miracles. Because you're not seeing what God is doing. We're not seeing it, we're not recognizing it, we're not affirming it, we're not testifying. And I want to see that stronghold broken. I want to see that cynical attitude broken in our hearts. Is that okay? So let me just be really clear with you. In talking about healing, I mean the healing of the whole person. (laughs) And so I am interested to see and hear of lives being changed because that's what we're about. We believe that we're seeing lives change in every area, whether it is in the heart. So motivations have been changed and attitudes healed. That's a healing. Whether it's in the emotions where forgiveness has been given and received. Somebody came to see us who's not from our church. She's a lady in her 50s. And she says, I've got a real problem with authority figures in my life and I don't know why. I just can't speak up. I know what's going on in my church at the moment is wrong, but I can't speak up. I'm too afraid. Normally a very outgoing, gregarious person couldn't speak up. And I said, well, tell me about the relationship with your dad. Oh, he was a horrible man. I said, well, that's where it is then. Have you worked through forgiveness on that? And we worked through forgiveness. It was painful. She cried in such a way that the torment of the cry that came from deep as the Spirit of God pulled in, reached in and yanked out the root of bitterness that had been there. And the restoration and the peace that came as she forgave her dad. She spoke to him as if he was there and said, Dad, you've really hurt me. This is how you've made me feel, but I choose right now in the presence of God to forgive you. And you see the peace come on her. And the settlement has come on her. The confidence has come in her. In the emotions, healing in the emotions, forgiveness has been given and received. In the body, I want to hear about that, where pain has been eased, where body parts have been restored or strength has returned. Or in the mind where thoughts have been challenged, lives, lies overcome, or mental health restored. I want to go after that. I want to see more of that. We've seen some. I want to see a lot more than that. Mental health restored. In the spirit where demons have been cast out and torment ended. That's what I mean by healing. Healing the whole person. So what did you mean by healing? <laughs> What did you mean by healing? When you think about healing, what are you expecting? And I just want to ask you, and I am provoking you, okay? (laughs) Because I love you, and I love the church, and I love God, and I want him to see a lot more healing going on. But is your view of healing broad enough to be able to see what God is actually doing and to give him praise for? Is your view of healing broad enough? And does it need to change? Do you think we can pull this barrier down? So actually we can be a community of people that understand the healing power of the Holy Spirit. One of the most amazing healings we've seen is in Andrew's testimony. That's an amazing healing, what God has done. Are we allowed to see that as a healing? Restoration of a life. 
I want to just stop there. I want to just pause there. Just show your eyes for a minute and just, because uh, Ruth keeps saying to me, saying to me at the moment, she says, all you have to do is say repent. Um, we do. We need to repent. We need to change the way that we think. Let's just stop there for a moment. If we don't go any further, that's fine by me. Just pause and reflect. Let's think about your own life. I just think, well, what healings have I already seen then? Because some of you said, I've never seen a healing. Yes, you have. Look at yourself. What healings have you already seen? What have you missed or discounted? I am absolutely convinced that if we can broaden our view of healing, we'll see the physical ones too. More of those. But we need to recognize the whole gambit of the healing power of the Holy Spirit. What have you failed to give him praise for? Maybe just even in the last couple of weeks. I'm not trying to condemn you. But I am trying to challenge you. And do you just need to say sorry to God? <laughs> say, Lord, sorry, I, I just haven't seen this. My view has not been big enough. Forgive me. Lord, I repent. I change the way that I think because I want to see what you're doing and give you praise for it. Forgive me for my cynical heart. The prove it to me attitude. Forgive me, Holy Spirit. Please forgive me. Thank you, Jesus. Just receive forgiveness. And I break that stronghold, the cynical stronghold that says, prove it to me. And I won't believe unless I can touch it with my hands. In Jesus' name, set you free. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Freedom come, Lord. Just want to let freedom come. We want to give you praise for what you're doing. You are healer, saviour. We acknowledge that you are the Lord who heals us. We acknowledge that, Lord. That's truth. We declare that in this place. You are our healer. I am the Lord who heals you. Thank you for your healing power in our lives. Thank you for restoration of relationship with you. Thank you for that healing, Lord. Thank you for healing our minds, our thinking. Thank you for healing our emotions through forgiveness. Thank you for setting us free, for breaking strongholds in our lives. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and do more. Come and do more. We don't want to limit you in any sense. Come and heal Come and heal people who are, who are lame, who are blind, who are deaf. Come, Holy Spirit, and release healing amongst us. We ask you for mental health issues to be supernaturally healed. Lord, we want to see breakthrough in that area. Lord, we don't want to discount any of it. We want to give you glory for all of it. Thank you, Jesus. We want to recognize what you're doing. Thank you for what you've done in my life, even this week. Thank you so much, Lord. You're such a good God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
That's the foundational one, guys. You know, if we get that one, all the rest will tumble down. Cynical prove-it-to-me attitude. Obsession with the physical realm. So let's go on to a few more. And as I said, these are going to be a bit shorter, um, but nonetheless important. So the second one is this. Overcoming doubts and fears. Anybody? You know, it's like as soon as you go to pray for somebody for healing... You kind of dread going along the line sometimes at the end of church because they're going to ask you about healing or something. And what happens is as soon as you go to pray for any kind of healing, these doubts and these fears suddenly pop into your head and they can be really unhelpful. You know, things like, is it God's will that this person should be healed? Anyone ever got that one? Or what about this one? Do I have enough faith to pray for them? Do I have enough experience and authority? Will it work? Oh, please, God, let somebody else pray for them. (laughs) Or maybe I'm just the only one that's thought those kinds of things. But there are all sorts of things going on here, and I'm going to come back to some of those questions. But here's the first thing that we need to realize is that when we start to exercise the gift of healing, we immediately step into a spiritual battle. We don't operate in a vacuum, you see, because the enemy doesn't want to see people healed and saved and delivered. Did you know that? He doesn't want people to come into freedom. He's against us. And he is against the advancing of God's kingdom here on earth. He resists us. And I believe, first off, that many of the doubts and the fears that come into our minds at these times specifically are not from us. I don't, I don't think they're from me. I don't think they're just from my own fear and insecurity. They, they literally come from the devil. <laughs> Does that help you at all? You are a good minister of the gospel. You can pray for the sick and you're entitled and authorized to do so. The enemy doesn't want you to do that, but we don't need to be afraid of it. It's part of the context that we're living in. He hinders God's kingdom reign and rule on earth. The kingdom of darkness reacts and tries to hinder us with intimidation and fear. That's how he works. But he's a liar, and so we just rebuke him and resist him. And so what I want to say just on this one is it's very important to pray before you pray. It's okay to just stop for a minute and say, okay, let me just get my bearings. I'm not going to pray for you straight away. I just need to get filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment. I just need to build my faith right now. I just want to remember what God says about healing people and how much he loves people. So pause. Don't rush in. Maybe even pray in tongues if you have that gift. Don't rush in. Take authority and then take your place. So let's pull that barrier down, shall we? One or two people would like to pull down the barrier of fear and doubt and intimidation. I'm just going to pray for you. And if you'd like to pull that barrier down with me, why don't you just put your hand up as a sign. So, Holy Spirit, Father, I'm sorry for letting doubts and fears intimidate me in this area of healing. I'm sorry for the times that I have not prayed for people, that I have avoided praying for people. Uh, because I don't know what I'm going to say or how I'm going to do it. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for giving in to a spirit of intimidation. So Holy Spirit, will you just free me from that intimidation right now and fill me again with the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, the next opportunity I get, I'm going to be there with both hands to see people healed and set free. Lord Jesus, come and anoint me again. 
Come and anoint me again. Come and heal me from that fear and intimidation, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Crash. So here's the next one. This one then. This one's a hard one. Understanding God's will. Is it God's will that this person is healed or set free? Does he want to act? What does he want to do here? Well, what business is it of yours to ask that question or make that judgment is usually the way that I answer the question to myself. It's not very theological, I know, but our job is not to try and foresee the outcome of our prayers, hedging our bets, so to speak. It's rather to obey God's command to heal the sick. That's what we're called to do. Although Jesus, when he was asked this question on one occasion, this is what he said. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and says, I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. That might help you. For me, what helps me is I'm told to go and pray for the sick. So I'm going to obey the command of Jesus and leave the responsibility with him. That's primarily our job, to pray for the sick, whether God heals them or not. In the end, it's not my responsibility. It's his. Just like if they do get healed, it's not my glory, but it's his. (laughs) So it's his problem if they don't. I quite like that. I like leaving that with God. I like leaving it with his responsibility. So take the pressure off yourself. That's what I want to try and say. Just take the pressure off yourself and just be obedient and pray anyway. Pray anyway. And if for some reason somebody isn't healed or they don't see the breakthrough that they're wanting, pray again. Just say, so how's it going? I don't feel much going. Okay, we'll pray again. And then if nothing happens again, say, okay, we'll pray again then. I tell you what, come back next week and we'll pray again. I don't mind doing that week after week, month after month. Sometimes I say to people, can I practice on you? Could I pray for you more often? Because I'm learning as I pray for people. So pray until something changes, something changes. Remember that broader view of healing that we're talking about. Or I have a clearer revelation to pray with. So, for example, there was a lady who uh, we were praying with, and I didn't know how to set her free. I didn't know how to help her. It was beyond my experience at that time in my life. A few nights later, I just said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. A few nights later, I had a dream, and in the dream, I saw this lady. I saw us praying for her, and I saw like a, a plug in her back. And I saw that as I traced the cable all the way back, it traced all the way back to somebody who was cursing her somewhere else. Strange, strange dream. I woke up and I thought, if only I could unplug that plug, she would be free. She would, the power source would be lost. So what do we do? We unplugged the plug and the power was lost and she was set free. So I didn't know what to do. It's okay to say, sorry, I don't know what to do about this. Let me go away and pray about this and see what God says. I don't know why people aren't always healed. Now, I don't know why. I don't know why some people are sick. I don't know why some people are damaged in the first place. But that just means that God is bigger than me and I need his help. So when it comes to healing, let's just humble ourselves and give up our right to understand. Okay? And pull down the barrier. 
Say, you are big enough for this, God, and it's your responsibility. I'm just going to do what you've told me to do. I'm going to pray for the sick, and I'm leaving the responsibility with you. That doesn't mean we don't do a bit of, well, God, why didn't that work afterwards? And just do a bit of self-examination and ask God about it, and he'll teach you. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to do. You can learn from that. But don't let it intimidate you. God's will is his will. Lord, let your will be done. Do you remember that prayer? That's what we want to see. So that was a good one, wasn't it? Understanding God's will. Fourthly, inadequate faith. Inadequate faith. Now, people can really torment themselves with this one. But I believe that having faith for healing is more of a practical issue than anything else. You know, in any event, you see, we we need very little faith to do anything. Did you know that? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds, it's like powder. If you have faith that big, you can say to this mountain, move from here and it will move. Nothing will be impossible with you. You only need faith that small. You don't need a lot of faith. So actually, what is more important is that faith exists somewhere. That's what John Wimber would say. He said when he prayed for healing, he looked for faith in three different places. Firstly, he looked in himself. Is there any in there? Nope, not a lot at the moment. So secondly, he looked for those who were praying with him. Is there any in that lot? No, they haven't got any either. So look at the person who's being prayed for. Often the person that comes to us says, will you pray for me? That's an act of faith. So there's already faith there. So if you can join your faith with their faith, you've got more faith than you need to move a mountain. And if faith isn't in one of those places, just ask God for it. Simple. Wait, and it will come in one of those places. Or perhaps you need, and I've had this, perhaps you need to ask one of those who are praying in the group, because we quite often like to pray with others, Perhaps you need to say to them, have you got any faith for this? No, none at all. Don't even believe in healing. So it's probably best if you don't pray right now. <laughs> or sometimes in another situation where you've got, I've found this in, in um, you know, when people have been very sick or whatever, and they've got family members around them who are upset. It's hard to exercise faith when you're just really emotional. So it's not a condemnatory thing, but Jesus on one occasion went into a house and he said, all the family out. And that's Jesus. So it's okay to do that, just to say, let's just get the atmosphere right for prayer. Let's just deal with some of that and and release them from the distress uh, and even the disappointment of prayer in that moment. But don't listen. This is what I want to say. Don't get hung up on faith, the faith issue. Just pray anyway. I uh, I would say pray with whatever faith you have when you pray. So, for example, saying, I believe God heals people today. Does everybody believe that? That's enough to get you started. That's faith. I believe that God heals people today. And generally, but not always, I found that faith grows in me as I pray anyway. And I don't think so much we need to wait for prayer, for faith. Sorry, I know what I've just said was really profound and all that, but I don't think we necessarily need to just wait for faith. For me, just the way I'm made, I need to wait for the presence of the Holy Spirit. If his presence is there, I'm expectant, because anything can happen if the Holy Spirit is present. And I'll talk a bit about that more next week.
But we don't need to have great or perfect faith to pray for healing. Remember the story of the father who came to Jesus in Mark 9 about his son who was an epileptic. He asked Jesus to heal him and said, if you can, will you heal him, Jesus? If you can, said Jesus, everything's possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. You see, a bigger problem than weak or imperfect faith is unbelief. I'll say that again. A bigger problem than weak or imperfect faith is unbelief. Unbelief is the biggest enemy of the miraculous. You know, even Jesus had problems performing miracles in an atmosphere of unbelief. So on one occasion, on returning to his hometown, it says in Matthew 13 that he didn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith, which is better translated because of their unbelief. Unbelief is more than just a lack of faith implying that it's something weak or a bit underdeveloped. Rather, unbelief is the complete opposite of faith or even an antagonism to faith. And unbelief is for unbelievers, not for believers. A Christian should never be in unbelief. You should never be in unbelief. It's a contradiction in terms. You're either a believer or you're an unbeliever. So if you are struggling with unbelief, you just need to repent of it. And then it's sorted. And ask him to deal with it. So do you need to deal with that unbelief? Why don't you just deal with it right now? Just say, Holy Spirit, help my unbelief. In fact, I repent of unbelief. I recognize that I've been doing it. I believe in you. I want to make that decision right now. I renounce unbelief and I choose to believe. In Jesus' name. And walk free. Walk free in Jesus' name. So let me just say as well uh, that cynicism is the thin edge of thin edge of the wedge of unbelief. And we have a lot of this in our culture. And in a way, cynicism is worse because at least people with unbelief have some clarity. Whereas people who are cynical often because of disappointment, are harder to deal with because they'll often mock you or despise the very miracle you're reaching for. So watch out for that in your own heart and be careful. Be careful of things like your sense of humor. That's something we've talked about as our leadership team. We say, let's not do that kind of humor because it inadvertently leads, leads to cynicism and unbelief. We don't want that to block the Holy Spirit in us. Let's not do that kind of humor. Just watch your humor, that kind of cynical humor. Don't mock the Holy Spirit. It's dangerous. Really dangerous to do that. So this is the next barrier. This is number five. I don't think we're going to get to number six. Maybe we'll do that next week. But let's look at number five, which is our authority in two parts. We covered authority earlier in the next in the series, which you can listen to again and encourage yourself in. But in a nutshell, authority comes from two things. Number one, your theology, what you believe. Number two, your identity in Christ, who you are. So number one, your theology, what you believe. What do you believe the Bible says about healing? And there can be a lot of confusion on this subject. So what do you believe about the cross? That would be the Pentecostal view. What do you believe about the exercise of faith? That You could look at some of the faith teaching. Or what do you believe about the sovereignty of God? That would lean into the charismatic view on healing. 
or how God uses suffering for our good, don't even go there. Don't go down that one. I won't even tell you where you can find that one. But listen, theology is very important. But I would dare to say, especially if Simon Clay isn't here today, that it's more important to have a clear theology than a right one. Oh, Paul Norris just gave me a look. Um, It's very important to have a clear theology rather than a right one because, you see, confusion is a bigger barrier to faith than error. (laughs) You can see that if you just look at the history of the church. There are some people who do, okay, the faith teachers, they've seen more healings than a lot of the rest of us. But we'd say we're not sure about some of their theology. But they've actually seen a lot more healing. Hold on a minute. Uh, How do we do that? Clarity gives more authority than confusion. I'll leave you to think about that one. Very often your theology will come out in how you pray. So some people pray, by his stripes you're healed. Or the verse about doing the works of Jesus. Or the words of the Great Commission, if we lay our hands on the sick, they will recover. I like that one. But make up your mind what you positively believe. Because as Peter says, it's more important to be clear-minded so that you can pray. Some people, especially from the reformed charismatic disillusion stall, are clearer on what they don't believe than on what they do. Knock everybody else's arguments out, but then what am I left with? So just get clear on that. For me, I've got a really simple approach. And... I'm saying this humbly because I'm learning this, but it it is very simple. I just want to partner with the Holy Spirit because I think he knows more theology than I do. So I'm simply trying to do what he tells me to do, and I don't always get it right, but I'm learning and experimenting all the time. Literally, Holy Spirit, I don't know how to pray next. Where do I put my hands? What do I say? And I'm praying like that all the time when I'm praying for other people. Which means then that any lack of results is therefore about my inability to perceive what the Holy Spirit is doing. (laughs) It's not your fault. It's not your lack of faith. It's nothing like that. That's what I'm doing. Or it may be my sinfulness or inadequacy of prayer life. It's not in Jesus' willingness to heal or any lack of faith or power. That's what I truly believe. I'd love you to join me on that. Let's just try that, shall we? Let's try it. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? That's the way to do it. That's what I want to do. So this barrier might need a little bit more thought, but I want to encourage you to make some positive, clear-minded decisions on what you believe about healing, and then do it with all of your heart. So that's the first thing. And then secondly, what do you believe about yourself and your identity in Christ? And this often comes out of the lie that slips into our heads that only more important or really spiritual people can pray. Anybody? Oh, nobody. That's good. (laughs) It's just me. Uh, And your experience might even bear this out. You know, I I was on a a healing line with David Carr once, and sort of following him, I just think, what, what is even the point? You know, why am I even here? Just let him pray for them. In fact, let's just wait for him to come over. I'm not even going to pray for anybody. Sometimes we can get like that and get overwhelmed, intimidated by somebody else's gift or the authority that they've got. But the authority to minister healing doesn't come from our own self-importance. It doesn't come from our spirituality 
or the position that we have in the church, but it comes from obeying Jesus' command to go into all the world and preach the gospel, heal the sick and cast out demons. That's where it comes from. And this command wasn't just made to a few chosen people. This was made to all disciples for all time, to all Christians, not just the special ones. So any Christians here today, any believers, this is for you. You have authority to pray for the sick under that command. Also, our authority comes from the power that is in us by the Holy Spirit. We saw this a few weeks ago. But Jesus says at the end of Luke, go into all the world, but don't go yet. Go home and wait. (laughs) Wait in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Power or ability to do the supernatural comes from the Holy Spirit. So this barrier is about your theology. Get clear on what you believe and on your identity. Know who you are and what you've got. Then God can use you to heal. And then... Final one, we're going to come back to a bit next week, but just very quickly, it comes from barriers in the person themselves that you're praying for. And what that's about is about helping people to receive healing. Just pass them through it. Just talk them through it. Don't just lay hands on people so quickly they don't even have a moment to think whether they want to be healed. Do you realize that some people actually don't want to be healed? It's really strange, but they actually don't. They need help because of disappointment from the past and that sort of thing. So don't rebuke them. Teach and encourage them. Take time to talk to people and find out where they're up to. Okay, so hopefully I've helped you to see some of the barriers that people are commonly struggling with. And so you know which ones you're needing to overcome in this area of healing. And perhaps even as we've been speaking and praying together, you've been able to dismantle some of them. Some of them are obstacles. Most of them, in fact, are obstacles in our own hearts that I believe the Holy Spirit's wanting to deal with so that we can minister healing to one another. So Jubilee, are you happy to deal with your stuff so that we can help to bring healing to other people? And we're going to talk about going out on the streets and doing it and praying with unbelievers and all that kind of thing next week, but I want us to get something clear here first. Let's get it clear in our own hearts. Yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. That's That's the decision. That's the challenge. I'm prepared to deal my stuff so that God can use me. Amen.